Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It all depends how the media portrays us. Agreed. Yeah. I know, I remember going back, when we come back from Iraq, we landed in Teesside. And we had groups of people that weren't happy that we were there. And they were British people because the media portrayed us as killers, as murderers. Flipping the coin, when we come back from Afghan, we were portrayed as heroes. So the whole country rejoiced to go, oh, save our heroes. When they were flying the bodies back as well, everyone was mourning. But yet, two years prior to that, people were hating us and spitting at us. This week on The Gap, we're bringing you a conversation between soldiers of different generations. John is 95 and a World War II veteran. At just 17, he trained and joined the army, spending two years away from home fighting for his country as a gunner. Joining him is Stee, a 34-year-old soldier who led battalions in Iraq, Afghanistan and Kosovo. Keen to open up the conversation around mental health in the forces, Steve shares his own experiences struggling to move on from the trauma of combat. Hi, I'm Hello, Steve. Hello, young man. Nice to meet you. How are you? Pleasure. Oh, good lad. You keeping well? Not so bad. Yourself? On the spot. On the spot. On the spot. Through John and Steve's conversation, we learn how soldiers are perceived by society, feelings about the enemy over time, and the tragedy of mental illness amongst the forces. Which war did you fight in? Second World War, after I'd done my training, I uh, went to America to pick up a landing craft. My flotilla was the third flotilla, and there was 12 of us. Went to North Africa from America, sailed across the Atlantic, and we took part in the North African campaign, and then we went on to the invasion of Sicily. And you didn't come home at all, John? And then after that, it was Salerno, and then following that was Anzio, and we were into 1944 by so then. How long were you away for in total? Two years. It was two years. <laughs> Nowadays, we complained if you're away months. for six months, there's something wrong in there. Yeah, yeah. But no, in them days, it was a different war. Yet you, you had to go where you were sent, and some lads went to North Africa and went right through and never got home till way after D-Day. It's frightening to see what happens to these modern wars. Uh, you're fighting an enemy, you do not know where he is. Mm. For the start, like in our war, as long as you were going forward, you were going the right way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he was behind you, he yeah. couldn't be behind you, which it sounds daft, but that's the way it was. You yeah. were driving yeah. him, weren't you? But you get in Afghanistan and that, 
he can come up behind you and you don't know he's there. And, Different and it must have been from my way of thinking. I, I, I wouldn't like to have fought in that war, I'll be honest with you. My name was a sailor, so yeah. I wouldn't be fighting in it. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. like to fight in your war, because in my eyes, being on a ship... It's probably safer on a ship. So I can't maybe. swim, so... You can't swim? No. Are you a sailor? <laughs> and they never taught me. But where would you swim to? True, yeah. <laughs> if you're a long way from home, <laughs> no matter whether you can swim or not. After training, I got to battalion, and then we deployed to Belize for six weeks in the jungle, um, training, pre-training for Iraq. We deployed in Iraq in 2006 over Christmas. That was a six-month tour, turned into a seven-month tour. Not as long as your tours, like. And we were deployed to Saddam's palace in Basra South, um, where we, we patrolled and did strike ops. We were mechanised in uh, armoured um, tracked vehicles. That's where we stayed for seven months. After there, we come back. I went on to do my promotion. We then deployed to Kosovo. That was a short tour. That was peacekeeping with uh, Yusuf. And then from there, we then deployed to Afghanistan, to Herak 10. And that was a completely different fight. In Kosovo in uh, the Yugoslavia area. Yeah, yeah I, I follow you. I... Yeah. Because I remember the Iraq war starting and yeah, yeah. Bazar in that area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you went on through all them. I went to Afghan then, yeah. the tour of Afghanistan. Oh. That was, we stayed in Sangin, in a fob called Fob Jackson, in Helmand province, and that was seven months of foot patrols. Yeah. So completely different operations altogether from yeah. armoured to foot. And we were, we were there on foot, stretching right out. We were doing helicopter ops and all sorts. So yeah. that was, that was a, Heavy well, you've been through quite a lot, son, haven't you? Not as much as you. At least they got to come well, out. Well, no, not necessarily. You've been through three different conflicts, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. And they've all been different in a way. Yeah. Yours weren't by choice either, were they? No, we no. had to go. We had to go. <laughs> Kosovo was that was well, that, that was, was a choice. funny one. That uh, we we I were there. I never really understood the Kosovo one. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Um, I don't know. It was a bit. I wouldn't say it was an easy tour. But it wasn't as much conflict. There wasn't any conflict. It was many patrols and peacekeepers. Yeah. Stuff like that. Afghanistan was just full throttle. Yeah. That was that was the tour that dis not destroyed, but it finished off a lot of the battalion. It broke the battalion down quite a lot. Describe who you were when you were first joined the army. Describe who I was. Yeah. Who I was prior to joining the army. Um, naive, <laughs> young and naive. I was uh, I was nineteen when I joined. Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very naive. Didn't know well, what I was getting myself it's a good into. Good age though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't get too mature before you yeah, get yeah. broken. But yeah, um, a very, a very immature. Yeah. Very immature. Yeah. So the army opened my eyes quite a lot. So uh, what type of person were you before you uh, joined? I was a sailor. I wasn't in the army. I was 17 when I joined. A bit younger than me. And uh, I lived in a village in Wiltshire, and the war was on, and. It was the sort of thing that the young lads wanted to do, yeah, join yeah, up, because yeah, yeah. when the war broke out, all the older lads were called up to go to yeah. war, and so the younger ones were left behind. And when you saw your mates coming home on leave, you, you thought, well, that's, that'll do me. Because yeah. in them days, we used to leave school at 14, you see. What was the joining age back then? Uh, 18. Was it 18, was it? Yeah, so... All you do, you go down and make yourself available. Yeah. And they just took us on. And uh, my mum did hang on to my birth certificate and try and stop me going in. But my dad said, 
Oh, it'll do him good. And uh, anyhow, I went to Plymouth. We got through the medical, and as far as I was concerned, that's when the war started for me, you know, when I was 17. Well, what is the feeling of being in a firefight? Uh, we don't call it firefight. <laughs> it's just action stations. In it. Whenever there's an imminent danger, you call to action stations. And if the planes come at you, then you have to fight back. In Afghan, I had a section as well, a section of eight lads, and very, very good lads as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would get in 360 ambushes, so we'd yeah. be basically, we'd get hit by an IED to start with. So it would be a roadside bomb that would normally hit the middle of the section, so it would be aimed at me. After that, you'd go into a 360 ambush of small arms fire. Yeah. So you'd have someone from the front, yeah. right, left, they're coming from yeah. the top of the compounds, and they're basically just spraying you with rapid fire with 762. It was the, the skills of the lads on the ground that got us out of them situations. Once you got into the firefight, you could never tell what was going to happen, but you always knew it was going to be like a well-oiled machine, the way your SOPs kick into place, the way you, you, you know, your lads would, they just knew, because of the amount of training you did, we yeah. knew exactly what we were doing. So yeah. uh, once it come to an end, and we get back to the far bore, back to, back to camp or whatever, we'd all make our weapons safe, and we'd just look at each other and go, I saw your relief. Have you ever suffered a serious injury? You mean from my service? Free from service, yeah, from service, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I've been very lucky. I've only had a backflash from the gun, which sometimes with an orlikin, after it gets hot, the thing sort of blows and you get a flash. Yeah, but, breach, uh, yeah. Nothing uh, serious. Uh, I can't remember having any injuries, to be honest with you. Very lucky. No. Then. Very lucky. I've been lucky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like. I've, uh, like, apart from like a few broken, like sprains and broken yeah. wrists and stuff like that. And run of the mill stuff. But I think the major one would be probably mentally after it all happened. I think that was yeah. the big one. That, that's touching on a whole different, whole different, you know, side of it. But mentally, this is, as you know, it's a massive epidemic that's going through the military at the moment for veterans and for still serving is yeah. mental health. Obviously, it was different for when you went out there and you did it, um, whether you felt some strain or anything like that, or you had flashbacks or anything like that. But I know yeah. a lot of lads from my era, from the army side of things, and we do suffer quite a lot. For me, it was a mental yeah. injury. Well, I, I've been lucky it didn't uh, leave no mark on me as yeah. luck would have it. It's yeah. something that happened at the time. Yeah. And I don't think... Uh, at the time, you realise what it was. No. But you, you recover and it's yeah. more or less forgotten, but do you think every now and again it comes up. Really? Yeah, yeah I, I do think about it sometimes. But, uh, so it is, it is something it could have there, been, sort of thing. It could have been worse. Yeah. You know, it would have been unfortunate to have been damaged by your own self, like by your yeah. own guns, wouldn't it? I think it's uh, time. I think time's a big one. You mean, because with me, past... 13 years, I've really suffered, like really, really suffered. Oh, yeah. And I've sort of like battered it backwards, battered it backwards and kept moving forward. And I think with my age now, I get, I've got to the age where it's like, well, I've got my family and all that. I've got to stay straight, you know I mean? But it does, it that creeps makes, back a lot. That it makes does creep a back a lot. doesn't it? It takes a while, but uh, at least. Yeah. I think having my daughter is kicking up the arse quite hard, like, you know I mean? But I think if, if it didn't, I'd probably still yeah. be like that, you know I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, but I know a lot of lads, a lot of girls, yeah. a lot of. A lot, a lot of soldiers yeah. are suffering, like, massively. Well, you see them around, don't you, now? Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's sad because uh, 
they're struggling mm. and there's no answer to it. No. That is the problem. I think awareness is a big thing. Um, but when we're saying that with the awareness, what do you do with it? Have you ever lost a member of your company? I want to answer it, but I don't at the same time because we've lost quite a, quite a lot of lads yeah. from, our, from, our, from our battalion. Today is the 10th anniversary for a lad we lost called uh, Paul McAleese. Uh, you probably know his dad. His dad uh, did the embassy siege. He was my screw. We, you know, we, uh, we, we lost him 10 years today. We lost, we've lost quite a lot, yeah. I think I'll leave, I think I'll leave it there. I like, don't want to go too, too much into it. Like. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. How do you think soldiers are viewed in society? It all depends how the media portrays us. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah. I know I remember going back when we come back from Iraq. Uh, we landed in Teesside, and we had groups of people that weren't happy that we were there, and that, that and they were British people because the media portrayed us as killers, as murderers. Um, flipping the coin when we come back from Afghan. We were portrayed as heroes, so the whole country rejoiced to go, oh, save our heroes. And, um, when they were flying the bodies back as well, everyone was mourning. But yeah, two years before, prior to that, people were hating us and spitting at us. So it's, I think it all depends on the media, how the media portrays us. Yeah. Obviously, your generation, you were... Well, I think the war had lasted so long with our that uh, they were glad to see the people back home. Yeah. And I think most soldiers and sailors, any service man, was looked upon, they, they say hey, thank you to them yeah. for getting their freedom in one way. Yeah. They were glad to see the war over. And but I can understand the difference now. <laughs> yeah. It's a different generation. And, yeah. yeah. yeah but it's a different war, isn't you, it? Well, you find it, I know. Well. I think collateral is a big thing, collateral damage and stuff like that. Yeah. When you're fighting, obviously, you, if you're going into a town or a village and you're fighting, there's going to be collateral. Yeah. And it's how the media portray that. Well, They yeah. can say, this is really terrible, this has happened. Yeah. Or they can say, they've gone in there and they've done this. And they can, they can stare at it however they want. Yeah. And when you're in a war zone, and as you know, you've got that constant stress above your head yeah. oh, yeah. of what's next, what's next. And you're constantly on high alert and you're constantly high rate. It only takes one person to look at you and you're ready to fight straight away. Hence why when soldiers come back home, someone looks at you the wrong way. You're already in fight mode. It's been 12 years, I'm still in fight mode now. I don't think I'll ever change, I'll ever change that. But when you're in that situation, you're fighting that much, when something nice comes along or something decent comes along, you class it as, as evil. It's yeah. the same as the police force and stuff like that. They deal with that many idiots that when the good person comes along, they treat that person like an idiot as well. And that's human nature. Yeah. You know what, I mean? what are your feelings towards the enemy now 
in comparison to at the time. That's a good one um, <laughs> At the time, I didn't, it's, it's weird because I'm going to probably stand out here, is I didn't have any hate for them. When I went out there, I believed that we were fighting in someone else's country and they were defending it in a way. Yeah, they had, everyone has their own you know, perception of it all, but I, I believe that we were fighting an enemy just like they were fighting us. If we were fighting in, in Liverpool city centre, an yeah. enemy that was invading us, that's how I pictured it. Yeah. So the reason I fought so hard and so violently, if you like, was, like I said before, I've got eight lads there that needed to come home. So they were coming home. There's no way we could have left there because it's a war crime. Yeah. But I think that's one of the other reasons why I left because yeah. I didn't believe in it in the end. I think I, I think I fought that hard and I was fighting an enemy so much that I was equal to them. If someone can get a number of men in front of me and fight me and my men to the extreme that they were fighting us, then hat off to them. Mm. I, I'll, I'll take my hat off mm. to them because they, they fought just as hard as us. And we go through a lot of training, a lot of hard training, and they were they were they were battering us. Yeah, you know what I mean. So fair play to them. This day and age, you got the whole politics and religion and stuff like that. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. I, don't, I won't touch into that too much because it opens up a lot of a lot of a lot of doors. But I've got no problem with them. Not no problem at all. I think something needs to change. But what about yourself? Well, <laughs> we fought the Germans to win the war, that, that's what was bred into you. Yeah, because, same as us. Like, as far as we were concerned, even the First World War, they were to blame for that and so on. And, and it took me until about 1970 before I could really see my way clear to making friends. And it was only because we went on holiday and my mate, he was uh, on the... During, just after the war, he did his national service. He served in Germany on his two years of conscription. And we come back via Germany. And I saw that they were the same as us. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I'd really been involved with seeing any of them. And I thought to myself, you know, all this time, they were only like us, fighting for like the gun. That was it. There, yeah. And... I have nothing against them now, but a silly way of looking at it, but it took me all that time to realise they were the same as us doing what they had to do. Yeah. And... Uh, it's down to media again. Well, possibly, media yeah, again, you know yeah. I mean? The media are like, right, OK, the Islamic State this, there's this and this and this, and it's yeah. all about Afghan, Iraq and stuff, and we're, yeah. we're, we're taught, it's like we're taught to hate them. Like, hate is taught, yeah. it's well, taught Well, people emotion. read what they read, yeah. And it sticks in their mind. Of course. Well, you want to tell your story. From my point of view, it may be to help the younger generation yeah, realise that's, that's what we went through. Yeah. Not only me, everybody. Yeah. Your war. Like, the young'uns now, they don't know about your war. They don't know no. about my war. No. And it's frightening sometimes, yeah. the kid... You mention it, they don't know what it is. They've never heard of Kosovo. It's part of history, I would think so. Or yeah, I hope definitely, so. definitely. Well, with me, it's like, for 10 years after getting out, I, I, I suffered and I went into a dark place and I kept it to myself. And when, every time someone mentioned the military or something like that, I'd switch off and walk away. Didn't want to know. And I'm still a little bit like that now. There could be someone sat in a dark room right now who hasn't left the house for two weeks. 
And they're just sat there scrolling the phone, they come, they come across Lad Bible, they watch, they listen to this, they listen to me and you, and they go, I've been through that. I've seen this, or that's worse than me, or that's not as worse than me. And they, they, if they stand up and they walk out the front door and they give it a go, then we save one, then it's worth it. So that, that's why I talk about my story now. And well, I wouldn't have known your story if I hadn't have listened to it here, would I? No, that's it. I've learned a lot from you. I learned a lot from uh, you. No, you're never too old to learn. Never. Every um, day is a school day. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's nice to meet you, son. Honest. Next week, we sit down with Russell and Thomas to ask questions about their experiences with addiction. I was only drinking lager to start with, but then I started drinking the gin, and that was neat. So I was drinking like a litre of gin Jesus. within an hour, quite easily. From Lad Bible, you've been listening to The Gap. Thanks to John and Steve for sharing their experiences with us. If you've been affected by any of the topics in today's episode, check the show notes for helpful links. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you're kept up to date with all of our latest episodes.